Welcome to Christ and Culture, a podcast about two kingdoms, man's kingdom and God's kingdom, and how they collide. What is going on, everybody? What's happening? I'm glad you guys are back. This is Christ and Culture, man, where we just talk about Christ and how he affects us in our culture and how we can live and how those worlds collide. And so I'm glad you're here. We got an awesome person, a special guest today on here, Dr. Matt Queen. We are so excited to have you, man. How are you doing today? I am doing well, Paul. It is good to be with you. I'm I'm so thankful for you and your ministry, and uh, it's just an honor to be on your show today. Oh, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you, man. I, I remember taking some classes with you in school, and it was amazing, man. Just the depth of teaching, man, and the practicalness of it. That's what's so awesome about it, is sometimes we just uh, want to get deeper and deeper, but we don't ever use it. And so what's the point in having the knowledge if we're not going to use it? So that's what I really appreciate about your class, man. And uh, so tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I am currently the interim provost and vice president for academic administration. Chief uh, Academic Officer at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and I also uh, uh, served here as the Professor of Evangelism in the oldest endowed chair of evangelism in the world. It's called the Chair of Fire. Uh, I um, uh, also am a consultant, evangelism consultant with the Southern Baptist Texas Convention. I'm an Associate Pastor of Evangelism at my church, Lane Prairie Baptist Church in Joshua, Texas. I'm a uh, husband to Hope and a father to uh, Madison and Mattia. So uh, that's just a little bit about me. I love evangelism. I love teaching. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm so grateful for the um, just the opportunity to be on here today. Man, I know you have got a um, a book either coming out or came out and it is uh, Recapturing Evangelism. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it just came out on uh, January the 5th and uh, to God's glory alone, uh, about the first week or so it was out. It was the number one release, uh, so it wasn't necessarily the bestseller, but it was the number one new release uh, in evangelism, uh, Christian evangelism, missions work, uh, Christian missionary work, things on Amazon. Um, it, uh, it it seems to be doing well. Um, awesome, uh, in fact, awesome. uh, in, within the first week, we had a publisher in uh, Italy that wants to translate it to Italian. So that was a neat thing. Uh, and, that is. That's so cool. Yeah, so I, I'm hoping that we can find a publisher that would want to do it in Spanish, but it's with Robin Holman Academic. And basically, you know, you had my contemporary evangelism class at Southwestern Seminary, and basically this is kind of the core uh, the core teaching that I do in our contemporary or our basic evangelism class at Southwestern. Uh, okay. Yeah, man, I looked at the, um, the uh, I guess, the summary of it, and it was so awesome is how, and what's so awesome about you is how you can take uh, – either super big, lofty thoughts about things and then break them down in such a way that um, anybody can understand it. And so that's the that's the beauty about this. It says like a, a seminary student professor can understand it and use it and it's vital in their life, but also it could be used by someone who is uh, just a lay person, a regular person just reading through the scriptures. And that's powerful, man. And we want to talk about that, man. We want to talk about evangelism because I believe it's, it's super important to be able to share the gospel and it's tough too because i know a lot of people that uh, are afraid and there's many different reasons why they may be afraid maybe because they don't quite know how to convey that message to someone or maybe they are kind of fearful of what someone would say to them as they do it but first off man i really want to jump into because 
you can't express the gospel. You can't tell the gospel. You can't evangelize if you don't know what the gospel is. So if you could just, uh, what exactly uh, is the gospel? Yeah, so the gospel is is God's good news to men, women, boys, and girls that uh, that though they are lost, uh, they are alien to, they are at enmity, the enemies of God in their disobedience, that, uh, that God is a, a just God and will punish that disobedience. And uh, because he's also at the same time a just God and a loving God, he has punished our disobedience uh, by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, sin has been uh, uh, dealt with on the cross, uh, but it's not automatic. You know, uh, there's not a universalism just because Jesus died doesn't mean everybody's saved. They have to they have to hear the message. They have to be prompted by the spirit. They have to understand the message by the spirit's understanding, by his conviction. And then they have to repent. That means to change their way of thinking and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the gospel at a core is we're sinners. Jesus died. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And we must repent and believe. Amen. Amen. And so how does how does evangelism kind of uh, relate to the gospel? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that there's never been in the history of the world somebody who was not a Christian and didn't and 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 yet didn't uh, you know and evangelize because usually Christians do that. Uh, but you know we always hear about pastors and preachers who realize oh I really wasn't saved and I got saved you know. But basically evangelism is that duty that we have, just like we have a duty or a discipline to read the Bible, to pray. Uh, Christians have a duty to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, and it is any Christian's greatest way to express God's love and their love for for someone else is by sharing the gospel. Now, there's other ways to do that, but it is the primary way by which we do it because it's God's gift that we are empowered with and endowed to steward well. And so, um, you know, I, I believe as I read the, in the scriptures from John chapter four, the elites of the day, the, the, the seminary professors, as it were, uh, when they saw Peter and John, and they saw that they were proclaiming Jesus. It said uh, they realized that they were untrained, unschooled men, but that they had been with Jesus. And, you know, I just get from that, Brother Paul, I just get from that principle that if we spend time with Jesus, that means we know him personally in faith and we're daily walking with him in a quiet time. If we spend time with Jesus, we can't help but spend time telling others about Jesus. Yeah. But it's also true to know that others, when they see, just like those uh, the Sadducees, when they saw Peter and John preaching uh, and they knew that they'd been with Jesus, it also shows when you go out and you live and if you evangelize, people can tell whether you've spent time with Jesus or not. And so I think <laughs> it's a natural outflow, though it is a discipline. It is a command to be kept. Man, it's an outflow of a personal relationship. It's, it's like, for example, think of grandchildren uh, and grandparents. Uh, that relationship that's there, man, a grandparent, they don't mind going and showing pictures. I mean, you know, <laughs> of their grandchildren. It doesn't matter if the other person, yeah. you know, you know, the other person may don't mind, doesn't mind seeing, you know, picture one, two or three. But when they get to picture 343, they've checked out. <laughs> but the grandparents, they've got that relationship, man. They are going to tell what they love and what they and, and what they experience. 
And that's just a just an illustration of I think what evangelism is. Do we have that kind of relationship with Jesus that we not in a not in a way that is unkind, untoward, not in a way that is aloof and not aware, but do we have the kind of relationship with our Lord Jesus that we go and we tell people understanding, listen, lost people, they don't want to hear about Jesus. And lost people, really, if they are depraved and they are sinful, they will never want to hear about Jesus. The Holy Spirit yeah. has to change their hearts. So, you know, we, we, we don't predicate our evangelism based on if someone ready to hear, does someone want to hear? Lost yeah. people don't want to hear, but <laughs> yeah. God wants them to hear. And out of our relationship, we do that. So that's a, that brings up a, a good point, man, because like I said earlier, a lot of people are scared because of the fact that the basic fact that you just stated that lost people don't want to hear the gospel. Well, how, how can we be encouraged or more confident or I guess more bold in delivering the gospel, even though we know that they won't want to hear it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say that there's a, a few ways to do that. First of all, I find great solace in the word of God, the Bible, looking and seeing how, uh, li listen, um, Christianity in the West, especially in the United States, Christianity is, is, is becoming uh, under fire in many ways. And there's, you know, there's, uh, there, there's been declines in Christianity in the West. Now, in the global South, it's exploding, but in the, in the West, it's, it's going down. But here, here's the good news that I get from the Word. There was a time when there was no church, and there were no Christians, except for 12 that Jesus had commissioned, and they were able to share the gospel. So as bad as things get, as much as the world doesn't want to hear the gospel, there was a time, at least uh, in this world, that it was even more hostile to the gospel than it is now. So mm, I think yeah. reading the word and, and, and having the Holy Spirit illuminate those truths in your life, that's one way to get over it. You know, I'll just tell you another thing, uh, Paul, the scariest, most fearful, frightful evangelism encounter I've ever had in my life is the first one every day. Mm. Let that set in for a moment. I, I'm a professor of evangelism. I have a PhD in evangelism. I still get afraid of evangelism. And so uh, I get really afraid when it's starting it up, but I do the first one and I realize, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, your listeners or your watchers, your listeners will see that if you go and share the gospel, people today in the West are a lot more willing to hear the gospel than we are to tell the gospel. And once I get to the first one and realize, hey, I didn't get shot up. I didn't get cussed out. You know, that, that they may not believe, but they listened. Then I'm like, okay. And then I'm able to, to hit the ground running. And then, I fall asleep at night and I get evangelistic amnesia. And that's when at the next day I get afraid again. And I have to start it back up, you know. So, so I, think, I think having a regular practice of it really will help you do that because the more you do it, the more you see that people need Jesus, the more you'll want to do it. But you also see that people, they're not as offended as you think they're going to be to hear the good news. I think those are, those are some of the ways. And then one of the great things uh, in evangelism that helps overcome fear is when you see, and it, it will not happen, you will have more rejection, anybody will have more rejection than they have acceptance when it comes to evangelism. Yeah. But at those moments in time when there is an acceptance, that joy that God gives yeah. the soul winner to see that yeah. person, that, that joy has a way of overcoming and, and conflicting with that fear.
Yeah, for sure, man. You you were saying uh, having a regular practice of evangelism. And, uh, well, first I want to say, you're right, dude. The, the first time you do it, it's so difficult. But after it, it starts to be like, wow, that wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> they didn't, yeah, they didn't slap me around. They didn't knock me over. They didn't kill me or anything, man. They actually accepted it and was like, uh, well, thanks for sharing, but that's just not me. Or they accepted right. the, the Lord and, and became yeah. brothers and sisters in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's not that bad. So uh, that's, a, that's a good word. But second, you said making a regular practice out of it. What are some ways that we can actually do that where we can make like, I don't know, maybe some practices that we can do that will prompt us to uh, at least witness, you know, once, twice, three times or however many times a day. There's a principle that I want uh, want you to understand and want your leaders, uh, your, your listeners to understand. Evangelism will never, ever, no, never happen on accident. Now, it may occur at times and places where you don't expect it, but it never happens on accident. Evangelism is always planned and intentional, either planned ahead or you're planning to be obedient in the moment. When you get that uh, impression from the Holy Spirit, share the gospel right now. You weren't expecting to do that, but you have to plan to be obedient in the moment. So I think the first thing that we need to do is if we're going to look at actually being intentional and consistent and habitual in our practice of evangelism, we have to understand it is a decision to be obedient. It's not uh, an accidental thing. We don't fall into it. Uh, we are led by the Spirit into it, of course. We're led by the Spirit to plan for it, but we, do, we don't do that. So just a couple of ways to do that. Number one, plan ahead. Uh, we're all busy people. If something's not in your schedule, it won't happen in your schedule. So yeah. put it in your put it in your your daily work week or put it on your calendar for once every other week or once a month. So you know planning that time ahead of time uh, that's going to be a real helpful time. I will tell you you need to do what you and the Lord deal with. You know for me I've I've got to plan time every week on my calendar. Now that's not the only time I evangelize, but because I know I've got to do it on Thursdays at four o'clock. It keeps me in a good rhythm. You know, if I went to once a month, I may not be as in good rhythm. That's Matt Queen. That's not you. That's not your listeners. I'm just telling you, you need to determine that for your own selves and your listeners' own selves. But plan it. And then also think about having some principles. I believe anybody who's listening to our program right now, if I was to ask and they could respond to me and I said, hey, if God actually gave you an opportunity to share the gospel today, would you do it? Paul, I think you'd say yes. I know you. You'd say yes. I think yes, your sir. listeners who are Christians would say yes. But then what if I say this, but what is an opportunity to share the gospel? Many people think that an opportunity to share the gospel is whenever they're walking down the street, all of a sudden there's this bright light that shines down from heaven. There's angels singing in the background and, and somebody <laughs> stupefied comes up and says, what must I do to be saved like a zombie? You know, That's what people think. Yeah, I'll do that if that happens. But opportunities... Not that they can't happen like that. They did with the Apostle Paul, road to Damascus. He comes to Ananias. You know, he did see a bright light from above. But they usually aren't going to happen that way. So God God brings ways in which we can do that. For example, um, what if you, you adopted a principle, you or your listeners adopted a principle, and just pick one of these. Whenever You know, a transportation principle. When I take public transportation on a train, a plane, or an automobile, if it's in the Uber, I'm going to, sh- you know, that's God giving me an opportunity to share the gospel with an Uber driver. If it's on the plane the per- or the train, the person beside me. In other words, if God puts you in a position 
that you've already determined with him, that's you're going to take the opportunity to share the gospel. So, yeah, you know, sure. transportation. Or may, maybe you say, you know, I don't do a lot of public transportation. Okay, that's fine. Uh, don't pick that one if you know you're never going to do it. You want to pick one that you <laughs> actually have, you know. Yeah. But what if you said to God, you said, okay, God, in my life, when I come across somebody who has a cross, either in jewelry, a tattoo, clothing, or something like that, Lord, I'm going to take that as an opportunity for me to ask them this question. What does that cross mean to you? And then whenever you see someone, you're going to hear what they think. And then you're going to be able to say in response, not here's what the cross means to me. That's postmodern. Here's what the Bible says the cross is and be able to share the gospel. You know, so so find some little areas that you can in different areas where you're doing that. Maybe you find yourself in an interruption. Uh, you know, you, you go outside and the the, the, the uh, car tires flat and you got to go to discount tire to get the, you know, get your car done. And Tim is there. You'd have never seen Tim any other way. But because of, of a distraction, a disruption, God has put you in contact with Tim. So identifying disruptions in your day and saying, OK, God, you've disrupted my plan schedule. Who is it that you're putting me in contact with for mm. me to, to share the gospel? So there's a lot of these different kinds of of uh, plans that you can put together, but but determine for yourself what is an opportunity to share the gospel so that when God gives it to you, you can act on it in a very regular way. Yeah, for sure. That's a good word. Yes. Putting ourselves in, or I guess technically God is putting us in position to do that. I like the interruption one because you're right. Sometimes we would have never seen uh, such and such or who uh, except for the fact that God did that interruption. And because maybe because of that is why that person is actually even in our way in the first place. So that's, that's, that's a beautiful principle. But now the question is not just that um, we have a way or, 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 uh, or to do it regularly, you know, but when we do it, how do we do it? What are some ways that we can share the gospel? Because uh, I think that might be a reason that it's stopping people. If it's not because we don't know who to do it to, or we don't feel like there's an opportunity, you you took away all the excuses for all that. But what if it's just, man, well, I don't know the gospel well enough to be able to share it, or I don't know a method in which I can explain it well enough for somebody to understand it. Uh, can, can you give us some some tips or some clues for that? Absolutely. You know, I think this question and this fear comes in two different ways. I don't I don't know what to share if I were to share the gospel. And even if I did, I wouldn't know how to start sharing the gospel. So you, you yeah. have kind of those two things. So let, let me start with the big one. If you know enough of the gospel to be saved by it, then you know enough of the gospel to share it. And it's okay to get evangelism training. It's okay to read evangelism books. It's okay to memorize different evangelism plans. But if you've been saved by the gospel, you know what someone else needs to know to be saved by the gospel. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 uh, 3 and 4. He says, I deliver to you, I told you with urgency, of first importance, what someone else told me, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. So Paul is saying what Ananias and Jesus told me I'm tell, I told you, Corinthians, and in the same way, whatever someone told you, you may not remember the exact words that someone else gave you, but you know the message that you're saved in today, and you know what it is that somebody else needs to hear. What saved you, what you heard and saved you, is what someone else needs to hear in order for them to be saved. So, yeah. you know, I would say, you know, if, if you want to 
memorize a, a gospel presentation, look, do it. The best evangelism program out there is the one that you use. And the worst one is the one that you know and you don't use. So do whatever mm. comfortable to you. Memorize if you want to. You don't have to memorize. You already know the gospel. If you're saved, what saved you will do that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, how do I get started? Some people, you know, think that this is one of the most fearful things is how do I get started in the conversation? Well, again, whether or not you use a cross uh, principle, you know, if I see somebody with a cross, but if you see someone with a cross, ask these really low hanging fruit questions. Hey, what does that cross mean to you? You know, there's two that I really like, Paul, that, that have served me very well. Um, I've, I've been able to go through the whole gospel with them. Uh, one of them is uh, to ask somebody and just go up to say and say, hey, has anybody taken the time today to tell you about God's love for you? Just asking that question. I do this a lot with waitresses and waiters. Um, I will just tell you the vast majority of people say no. And so then what I just say is, hey, I want to be the first one today to tell you that God loves you. And here's how I know. You don't know me. I don't know you. But the Bible says God loved the world in this way that he gave us. And so you just give your own whatever yeah. gospel presentation, you know. Uh, the I actually other stole that. Uh, actually stole that from you, man. Is because that's that's uh, one that I like to use. I, I say not quite that, but I'd be like, "Can I share the message of God's love for you today?" Yeah, that's a powerful and, and thing. It is, and and, and it, it gets gets you there, and it kind of it, it kind of keeps you from kind of sitting there and trying to get to the gospel, and you just kind of get to it. You know, another yeah. one, Paul. Even since uh, we had class together, that I started using too, is to ask anybody, "Have you heard any good news lately?" Because most people will say no. And I'll say, <laughs> hey, guess what? I've, I've not just got good news. I've got the best news for you. And then share the gospel. Um, so, so you know, when you're doing that, you don't have to ask permission. Now, if they don't want to do it, they'll tell you and you just back off. But mm -hmm. it, it gives you that flow to get right into the gospel. So find a catchphrase. Have you heard any good news today? Has anybody taken time to tell you about God's love for you? Something like that so that it kind of gets you in the in the rhythm and then share the gospel the best way you see fit yeah dude, those are good because i think it's it's like uh when you tell your kids just rip the band-aid off man and that That's helps right. you to do that yeah you, know, you just set them up with a question and then you say but i also like what you said after that is like man they'll let you know if they don't want to hear it and yeah. if they don't then that's uh i guess you dust your, your shoes off your feet or whatever you know you allow yeah. it to happen but if they do, then that's a perfect opportunity to be able to share the gospel. Absolutely. And, uh, I think a question now is, is, is really, I know a lot of people, um, think that, uh, that they don't want to, to, uh, especially with friends, but they don't want to immediately share the gospel with somebody. They're like, I want to build a relationship with them. I, I want to, uh, first make sure that they understand that I love them or care for them in a personal way before I share the gospel. What do you think about that? I, what's the best time to evangelize? Is it waiting or is it just to make it uh, prominent as soon as you begin a relationship with someone? I think as we look in the scriptures, um, you will be very hard pressed and I'm hard pressed. In fact, I'm, I'm not saying it's not there. I just don't, I can't think of one of a scenario where there was an intentional friendship built devoid of sharing the gospel over a long period of time before someone heard the gospel. Now, again, if one of your listeners knows about that, I would love for them to let me know where that is. But, but yeah, sure. you know, uh, it, it didn't take a long time for Nicodemus and Jesus who did not know each other to, for Jesus to share with him about uh, being born again. 
It didn't take a long-term relationship for the woman at the well. They didn't know each other previous to this. But in that very first conversation, Jesus was able to share about living water with her. So, and we see that, I mean, I can give you more and more uh, illustrations of that. So what, what I would say is this, as long as somebody's going to evangelize, they need to do it the way they want to do it. I will tell you that the longer you wait to evangelize with someone and there's a deeper uh, friendship that uh, there's more cap relational capital, the harder it becomes to share the gospel. Um, mm. So I think, I think kind of the best of both worlds is to share the gospel and then, then you don't have to worry. You don't have to have that anxiety of when am I going to do it? Is this the right way? You, yeah. At the right time and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you remember when we talked about God that, you know, a month ago or whatever, have you had any differences in thoughts? It makes it a little bit easier for you to get into the conversation the earlier you can do it in the uh, relationship. However, though the Bible seems to indicate that that any kind of long-term evangelism, we think of Paul and Felix, two years, uh, Paul shared with Felix, but he shared the first time they met. We, we see Jesus and his disciples over three and a half years you know, Jesus said to uh, Peter one time, when you are converted. So he, he over time, he's, he's making disciples uh, out of them. But he started with a Mark 1, 14, 15, time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is hand, repent and believe the gospel. So he started off with those words, but then he was able to, to ease it in. So I think that's the biblical method, at least in, in, in the majority, if not all the cases that I've uh, seen, seen in the scriptures. And it also helps you to not make it so awkward and not feel so anxious about am I is is me bringing it up now that we've been friends for a year is it going to hurt our relationship? Yeah, because that is tough. I think that is one of the detours of people after building that relationship of sharing the gospel is because now they're like, well, I really care about this dude, and I don't want the relationship to be broken because of my faith, you know. And so right. starting it off kind of uh, helps uh, uh, take care of all of that. So that's a good word. So uh, it is a good word. And I know that nobody, unless you're a newborn baby, doesn't have any relations already that they're in. And so what should a person do if they're um, in this relationship already so long and they haven't mentioned the gospel, but they are being convicted to to speak the gospel? Holy Spirit's prompting to say something. How do we go about doing that when we haven't even done it for the very the since the beginning of the relationship? Yeah, so I, I I think that's a great question. I get it a lot, and I've actually had to do it myself. This is not theory. This is what you use. <laughs> yeah, this is practice. So I, I, I think, first of all, any Christian who finds him or herself in that situation needs to come to a point where you, you realize that what you've done is a great disservice and even a sin against that person. Mm -hmm. To withhold the gospel, I mean, it is, it's not just, hey— you know, I, sh I should have done it. It's sin. I mean, it, Jesus, Jesus's command is to make disciples. And for us mm -hmm. to not follow that command is, is sin. Any command is sin. So I think before you do anything, I think you, I think you uh, your, your listeners or I, we need to go to God and repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I've let fear get in the way or I've just not even it's not even been on the forefront of my mind, whatever it is. I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind, Lord, and I want to change my actions, and I need your help to do that. And so, Lord, I'm go I'm going to, to I'm going to talk to John or J or Jane uh, about this, but I need your help. I need your uh, your I need confidence. I need boldness. I need um, I need the words to say. Would you help me? So I think that's step number one before anything else. Mm -hmm. Step number two, I think you go to your friend and you say something like this. 
John, Jane, I've, I've really got, I've got a big bad problem that only you can help me with. And they're going to say, okay, well, what can I help you with? You know, if y'all, and you say, well, I have actually um, been committing a sin against you since the first time we met each other. Now, let me just pause there for a second. What do you think, Paul, that they're going to, that, that this person might think your possible sin could be? Man, I don't know. I, oh, if somebody came up to me, I'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, brother! You, you seem good to me. I, I, you ain't never done nothing, man. What what have you done? Yeah, have you lied? <laughs> have you been stealing? Have you been cheating yeah. with my wife? You know, I yeah. mean, you know, see, there's, that's what they're thinking. And yeah, what you're huge saying deal. is, I, yeah. I've committed the great. So, so what you're doing is that that that's what they're thinking. You can't help what they're thinking. Whenever they hear that it's that you've not shared the gospel. When they're thinking those things, what do you think that they're going to think about the fact that you've not shared the gospel? What is it going to do in their heart? They're going to be like, whoo. You see what it does? You see what that does? It disarms them. Yeah. Them, it disarms them. Okay. So you've taken them from high alert to that. Okay, cool. Now I'm at a point where I can do it. But also for yourself, you're putting it out there because you're saying, listen, what I've done against you. I've got a lot of anxiety about it. And you're already scared. And you just need to say, I don't want to tell this to you. I don't want to tell, confess this to you. I don't want to share this with you. I'm afraid. But you're you're being honest about this, right? And if yeah. you've repented and you really realize it is a major sin, it's the worst sin you could commit against somebody, and that's not sure the, to withhold the gospel, then you're being serious. I'm not telling you just to say it because you don't believe it. If you've repented, yeah. you believe it. Yeah. And then you say, okay, I'll just do it with you. Paul, um, you may not think this is so bad, but I need to let you know, God's been dealing with my heart, and I have never taken the time to tell you about how you can have true peace and forgiveness in your life. And I've said I love you, but based on what we know about each other, you've never come to a point where you've accepted God's forgiveness. And were you to die before this moment, I wouldn't be able to live with myself because of what would happen to you. So I'm going to ask you, on the basis of our friendship, it's awkward for me. It may be awkward for you, but I would like, because I dealt with God, I told God, I'm going to do this. Would you please allow me to share the good news that I've never taken the time to share with you? Now, here's what we've done. Everything we've said is true, but yeah. what we've done is we've disarmed the person. We are also saying, look, I'm the fact you've not done it, you've been uncomfortable. You're sharing how uncomfortable you are. But you're also getting a good faith one time to at least share the gospel with that person. So I think yeah. this is a good way to do it in a way that's really real, puts the problem out there right front and center. But it also helps disarm the, uh, the fear and also the uncomfortableness that might come along with it. Because somebody's probably going to be okay with you sharing the gospel when they realize that you've not you know, been stealing underneath their nose or whatever. <laughs> yeah, been sleeping with their wife or something like that. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah, man, I, I I asked that question because it was actually a uh, thing that happened to me and my wife as well, that we didn't share the gospel with our brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, her brother. And uh, we used that exact method to be able to talk to him. Man, it was super scary, super yeah. scary. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. But in the end, it ended up being a whole lot easier and more of a blessing 
than what I even would have ever imagined, man. Uh, Grace was was like, wow, that actually went better than <laughs> what I, I even thought. Cause, cause he is, he's a, he's an atheist and, and he doesn't believe in, and uh, it was just crazy to think that he actually listened, asked important questions, and didn't didn't hate us afterwards. You know, that's what you always think they're gonna hate us afterwards, but uh, he didn't, man. And so it was it was a beautiful thing. So I just that, encourage that, anybody that is in that like uh, that area right now where they feel like it is tough and that that it's gonna destroy the relationship or something like that because of what we uh, the faith that we believe in, especially in this world today, like you were saying earlier, people are so against the gospel, it seems like. But I think that if we're open and honest, the way that you said it, because it means so much to us, it's, it's an important part of who we are, then if they truly care about us and love us in the same way, they'll at least take the, the time to listen. I do. And I, I think humility goes a long way. When you were saying, look, I've been wrong. I've done this wrong. I've done something against you. Th- that Humility really endears you to someone. Again, I, you know, I can't say in 100% of the cases that somebody's going to listen. But I think if you're humble about it, you're honest about it, you're getting it out there, you're afraid. You know, if you were just to just come in like a bull in a china shop and do it, they would they would maybe be afraid, you know. <laughs> so the fact that you're able to work on both ends, I think is this is a good way to be able to enter into a long-term relationship where you've not shared the gospel. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate that, man. And uh, I appreciate all the tips and the stuff that we've talked about today. And and it's very encouraging because uh, especially to know that this is something that you have had to do as well. Like you said, man, you, you got the doctorate in it, you teach it, you do all this stuff. And yet it's still every day a challenge that you have to uh, overtake in order for this to happen. man. That's very encouraging because I know that uh, first off it disarms me. It makes me think, well, ain't everybody like everybody is like this. Everybody's Absolutely. like this. They but are. it encourages me to be able to just uh, overcome because uh, everybody is like me and they that's still right. do it. And so that, that's a beautiful thing. What is it, though? I want to ask one more question, man, is is what is it about evangelism, the gospel? Because like you said, you have gone on to be a professor about it. You're a, a pastor of evangelism. You have a doctorate in evangelism and all these things. Well, why why is it so passionate to you? What is it that excites you about evangelism? What what uh, what drove you to this uh, this 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 love for evangelism? Well, Paul, it started in the beginning for me, not not when I was born. You know, I wasn't born into Christianity. No, no one biblically was born into Christianity. You're born again into Christianity. Yeah. So at the age of seven, August the 3rd, 1982, uh, I was at it was a, sun, a Sunday evening and I was uh, um, uh, at, at Sunday night uh, worship service in Swannanoa, North Carolina. I don't remember what the pastor preached, but he preached a message. Uh, gave it an altar call. I didn't respond, but after it, the Holy Spirit touched my heart and I was under conviction. I started crying. My mom asked me, you know, what's going on? I said, I'm not right with God. She took me to the pastor. The pastor said, what's wrong, son? I said, I'm not right with God. He said, you're right. You're not right with God. I was like, where's the compassion? You know, he said, said, but you can be today because God's speaking to your heart. He shared the gospel with me, Paul. And right there after the service, uh, with the chairman of deacons, the pastor, and my parents, I repented of my sins and put my faith in Jesus Christ. And as soon as I said amen by you know, calling on the name of the Lord, I said amen. And Paul, we were Baptists. We, we, I didn't run down the aisle. I ran up the aisle, and I ran out <laughs> the church. And the students, all the other students, kids my age, I was seven, they were playing tag and hide and seek. And I was saying, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And I, I remember to this day still wanting a microphone so that, just like right now, we're, we're going out. We didn't have podcasts back in 1982. 
But there's a microphone that could reach anywhere in the world and people could know that I got saved and how they could get saved too. Mm. Paul, I just haven't gotten over my salvation. And yeah. I think anybody who gets, who, anybody who's been saved knows you're probably not any more likely, any more motivated, any more energized to share the gospel than right when you get saved. And so I, I would just say, you know, for those of you that are looking for a passion, of course, you know, you can take the Bible and beat your head with it. The fact that there's a command, the Great Commission, and you need to do it. You can you can beat that in in a legalistic way. You shouldn't, but I mean, you know, you shouldn't be legalistic. You should know that command. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would just encourage your listeners, if you want a passion, you want it from the heart, go back to thinking about what you were like before Jesus saved you. Think about what it was like that when you when you received regeneration of the Holy Spirit. I, I get chill books right now thinking about it. And he <laughs> took the weight of sin away from you. Even as a seven-year-old boy, I'd not killed anybody, but I disobeyed my parents. I stole a matchbox car from preschool. I lied to my mom about it, fought with my brothers, and God took that that was heavy sin on me, and God yeah. took it away. And Amen. I think that's the passion that we, when we remember that, remember what Jesus did. When we heard the gospel, it'll make us want to tell people so that they can hear the gospel. Yeah, dude, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. For me, it's the same way. It's just recognizing that love that God has for us compels me. I think that's what Paul says. It's the love of God that compels him, man. Second Corinthians and, chapter 5. Yeah, and it's because of that I can share the gospel, man. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, man. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us uh, uh, just ways to evangelize, how important it is, and how easy it can be in uh, just being able to do it, to, to bring honor and glory to his name, man. It's a privilege, man. It's a duty for sure, but it's also a privilege. Uh, there's a song by a, a band, I, I can't remember their name right now, but it just says that I can't believe that you chose someone like me to declare your praise for the glory of your name. And that is just, uh, uh, that's been my staple in my heart right now that he would choose someone like me to be able to do that. And so I appreciate you for letting us be able to do it better. <laughs> Amen. To God be the glory. And let me just say to those that may be listening here, um, if, if you're interested in knowing more about evangelism, you know, you do understand if you're enough, if you know enough of the gospel to be saved, you know enough of the gospel to share but you like just to, to sit in on a class, you know, you can audit it or you can take it for credit. Southwestern Seminary, we, we would love to have you come and be a part of that. You can go to swbts.edu uh, and look at our uh, programs there. Or if you just want to apply and audit like contemporary evangelism, just go to swibits.edu slash apply now. We'd love to have you uh, come alongside us here at Southwestern Seminary. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. I definitely encourage that. That's wonderful. And if you have any uh, uh, like uh, Twitters or, or Instagrams or Facebooks or something, you want people to, to check you out, what's your handles? Yeah, uh, at, at all, all the handles, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm at DR for Dr. Matt, M-A-T-T-Q-U-E-E-N, Dr. Matt Queen uh, on all those. It's consistent. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Doc. Yes, thank you so much, Paul. God bless you. Oh, 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 oh